Hello and welcome to YHTV's Trinity of Life. This is episode 68. I'm Christina Suzumai, your host for this program. Thank you so much for joining me as I continue to explore the wonderful world of healing arts, meditation, therapies, and the many modalities of helping each of us find balance in our individual journeys. We are all excited to meet those who are on the leading edge of creating change on this planet. Today we will be speaking about healing with dolphins and whales. Now, at any time during this presentation, you can feel free to ask a question or make a comment by scrolling down on your screen and typing it into the comment box. We will definitely make sure that our guest is notified of your question or comment, and we shall wait for a reply, which will notify you back. In a previous episode, episode 67, um, our guest, Rebecca Goff, shared with us about aquacranial therapy for children, expectant mothers, and for those looking for well-being and balance. Today, Rebecca is joining us again. Yes, we were able to nab her for another hour of her time, (laughs) her precious time away from the water, Um, as she tells us about another part of the journeys that she takes individuals on, which is really um, a journey of experience and um, therapy for themselves, uh, and what I would say would be, you know, internally and physically, and uh, where she takes individuals. Uh, to swim with dolphins and whales. How exciting is that? I can't wait to do it myself. So we were, we are so honored that we would like to welcome back again, Rebecca Goff. Aloha and welcome again, Rebecca. Aloha, Christina. Always good to talk to you. <laughs> we got you for another hour. Yay! <laughs> the next time we'll just have to be on the shores of Bimini or Tonga where we can actually film you and, and interview you all at work, you know? <laughs> That's right. No more interviews until you come get in the water with me and the dolphins and whales. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Getting to have my swim lessons intact now. <laughs> I can swim you, no problem. Oh, great. Uh, Yes, in a double wetsuit, I remember. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Now, Rebecca, um, for those who may not have uh, seen your previous episode and don't know anything about you, can you give us a little bit about your background and and how you've come through all this wonderful experiences that you always share with us? Absolutely. I started living in the water back in the 1960s, worked at the IU Med Center with cerebral palsy patients. And through the years, I studied osteopathy and then moved into Chinese medicine. Um, I taught yoga for about 10 years, and a lot of yoga techniques are incorporated into the therapy as well. It's very relaxing and helps to realign the body. Uh, It's great for emotional release as well as physical well-being and it will definitely definitely deepen your yoga practice Mm, mm, how wonderful um rebecca i i because of our limited time there's always so much that that we seem to leave out here and there now you began um and you actually um are the founder of aquacranial therapy which is this therapy in water itself. And you connected with dolphins and whales. Can you tell us that story of how that came to be? Yes. um, 
Well, the first time I connected with dolphin and whales, it was actually some people that came to me who had developed underwater birthing, and they told me that dolphins wanted to connect with me. And I actually thought they were very weird that they talked to fish. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And I had already been working in the water and working in pools with people. So when I went to the water... um, The dolphins actually communicated with me and told me that I should take infants and children up to age three into the ocean to connect with their cranial system, and they would teach me what to do. Hmm. And through the years, I developed aquacranial, and I have talked to different doctors and neurosurgeons to find out what they thought about the techniques that I was using, make sure I wasn't hurting anyone with what I was doing. And people that would tell me that what I did was very unusual, and I come about it from um, an odd angle, but that everything that I do makes absolute sense once mm. they look at it scientifically. Mm-hmm. So now you're going to, you, of course, I'm, I'm sure we're going to have some people who might see this for the first time and go, what do you mean you talk to fish? <laughs> exactly. Yes, like like exactly. What, how you felt about this other couple approaching you. What do you mean you talk to fish? <laughs> well, it's so interesting. When I first started doing this, I didn't want to tell people that I communicated with dolphins. So I would always preface it with things like, well, you know, your dog recognizes you, and dolphins are like dogs, and that they recognize someone they see over and over again. And we, there was a psychiatrist who worked with the University of Hawaii on Oahu here, and they worked with dolphins and sign language. And they were actually able to prove that dolphins could understand sentence structure and syntax, like not just get the ball, but get the red ball under the chair in the corner of the pool. Mm. And um, a few years ago, not too long ago, I was in Florida working with a group of autistic children. We had a, a clinic at a pool and people were coming up to me and they had studied neurobiology and they're like, oh my God, it's so amazing you talk to dolphins. And apparently it has now been scientifically proven that people can communicate communicate with dolphins. And what it actually requires is using the higher brain functions. And I said, so you're telling me I'm not weird. I'm just smarter than average. (laughs) (laughs) Now, part of it is we've heard about, uh, you know, animal psychics as well, or people who can communicate with animals. Um, In your case, you can communicate with dolphins and whales. Yes. And so you can literally have a conversation with them, almost like what humans would consider ESP. Yes. And I actually said that when they worked with the dolphins uh, where they were working with sign language, it's like, well, the dolphins have ESP. So why bother thinking? I don't know if they know the sign language or not, but they know what you're thinking. (laughs) That's good. I like (laughs) that. Oh my goodness. It's uh, now now with uh, in in your case because um quite often it's said that uh, communicating with other animals or mammals um the ESP is more picture formatted as opposed to text. Actually it's both. I have both with the dolphins and the whales. I will have um very clear answers to questions um 
people ask me if I call dolphins. I don't call dolphins. Dolphins call me. I consider the dolphins and whales my teachers. And so they communicate in ways that are just like you and I are communicating. But they also do communicate in the pictures. And the way that it comes for me, it's like a bubble that has a picture in it. Mm. And after that started, I started to notice that there are a lot, there's marine photography, not marine photography, but marine painting. If you start to look at some of the paintings that have been done of dolphins and whales, you will often see these little, um, like uh, strobe light flashes. They're like around strobe light flashes. And mm. if the dolphins show me a picture or the whales show me a picture, whatever they show me will absolutely, without a doubt, happen. Mm. Uh, and, an example of that is one time I was swimming with many dolphins and I had swam out from shore and the dolphins showed me a picture of myself in my boat with 500 dolphins around me in front of a very specific hotel. So in order for me to go to that place, I had to literally swim back to shore, get in my car, drive 45 minutes, get my boat, hook it up to the truck, take it to the ocean, drop it in the water, and then drive it to the hotel where they'd showed me there would be 500 dolphins. And Christina, there were. Mm. Oh my goodness. It was worth that trip. <laughs> Absolutely. If they show me a picture, I do it. If they tell me to go somewhere, I go somewhere. And mm. it's not always what I expect it to be. And as I said, it's not always for me. They had me to go one day. They told me to go to a specific place. And when I went, they were there. And it was a very odd place. I'd never seen them there before. It wasn't an easy place to have access. I had to go across the lava rocks. But there were a couple of young girls that were about seven, 16, 17 years old who were sitting there, and they pointed out to the dolphins, and they said, do you know what those are? And I said, yes, they're dolphins. They go, we've been watching them for a while. They go, are you going out? I said, yes, I am. They go, well, how do you get through that? And there was a wave coming in that was like six, eight feet high at the moment. And I told them, uh, I go, well, if you don't know how to get through that, then whatever you do, don't follow me. <laughs> Which, of course, as soon as I jumped in the water and I swam out, they followed me out. Yes, the girls, they just followed me out. I turned around and looked, and here's these two girls that I don't know, and they're following me through these giant waves, and they're going to the dolphins. So I was perfectly clear at that point the dolphins had called me to come down to help swim those girls out to them. They, If the girls had swam on their own, I don't think the dolphins ever would have called me that day. But they, <laughs> they definitely wanted to have those two girls out with them. And after we'd been out for a little while, the dolphins told me, go to shore. And I was like, yeah, why do I want to go to shore? I'm sitting here. I'm in the ocean. I'm with you. I'm having a great time. I, and you're not leaving. I'm sure you're not leaving. So why are you telling me to leave? And they just said, go to shore, go to shore, go to shore. So I drove into shore and darned if there wasn't a therapist who had trained with me came driving up. And she goes, wow, Rebecca, I saw dolphins sleeping. So I thought you must be there. And I asked her what she was, what she was doing there. It was a random spot. And she goes, you know, I don't know. I was just kind of driving around and I just came here. So she goes, you know, I don't know. I was just like randomly driving around and I just came here. And I go, well, the dolphins called you. And she had trained in aquacranial. Mm. And she goes, you think the dolphins called me? 
I go, Rachel, how often do you just randomly drive around and end up out here in the middle of nowhere? <laughs> At which point she went, oh, good point. I have never done this before. So I, I truly believe that day they wanted Rachel in the water with the dolphins and they wanted those two girls I'd never met before in the water with the dolphins. So they called me out and I'm happy to oblige. Oh my goodness. And the girls were fine in those eight foot waves. They were, they followed right behind me and stayed on my fins and they did what I did. Um, you do bring up a very good point though. The ocean is not a swimming pool mm -hmm. and People read tour books and they will go to places that they can get cut on the lava rocks. Maybe it's completely flat and very safe when they get in the water, but the winds can come up quickly. Currents can change. Oceans can change. Dolphins are wild animals. Um, they can have rough play among themselves. They can become very sexual. Uh, so you really need anytime, same with whales, anytime you you are around an animal in the wild, I highly recommend you're with someone who knows what they're doing. And my theory is, if in doubt, don't go out. Mm, but the, I can see how the excitement and the adrenaline rush just pull people out there. <laughs> Absolutely, it does. And the thing is, people will usually swim until they're tired. <sighs> and then they don't think about when they're coming back in and they may, and that's when they're going to need the extra energy. That's when the big waves are in. And I always tell people, make sure you have enough energy to make it back to shore yourself, but also make sure you have enough energy to bring someone back with you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. And, and I, I do worry about people that don't think about that or, or as you say, don't know that area with the, uh, the way that the tides can shift and the winds can shift absolutely and around the islands. I have seen it pick up quick. <laughs> absolutely. And that's it. I can see it coming across the water and I'll tell people get in the boat. And they're like, why do you want me to get in the boat now or get in the kayak or head for shore? And it's like the winds are coming and they're like, how do you even know that? Yeah. <laughs> um, and if you don't know that you shouldn't be out there. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> well, that's what I found amazing when uh, I first came and had treatment with you was you you would say to me on the sixth or seventh wave, that's when you want to step out. And I'm looking at you like, really? <laughs> Why? That's the calmest one. Don't worry. <laughs> it's like, OK. And you were absolutely right each time. It's like, OK, she could see it coming. I, OK. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You know, we learn in when we're doing aquacranial, we know how big the waves are by the sound. Mm -hmm. We know when the wind's coming way before it ever gets there. So it's not just about doing therapy. It's about understanding um, the natural environment and being able to be in the wild and to be able to read both the animals and the weather conditions and the ocean conditions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So so in our previous episode, we talked about the aquacranial and the therapy that you do and, and uh, for so many individuals and the wonderful results that you've had. Now, this other part of your life where you take individuals out to learn about dolphins and whales, to be with them, to be, you know, to raise awareness and consciousness around these incredible creatures, um, what... Uh, away from your connection with them, that when you first started talking to the dolphins, um, what what 
inspired you to branch out and create these wonderful, if I might say, tours or swims with larger groups of people? Well, the dolphins, of course. <laughs> um, the, I was I live in Hawaii and I was going to do a workshop. It was available in California, which is where mm-hmm. I planned on going. And the dolphin said, don't go to California, go to Florida. And I asked them why on earth I would go to Florida from Hawaii instead of California. It made no sense to me. And they said, come to Bimini. We want you to come to Bimini. And at the time, the only thing that I understood Bimini to be was the top of the boat. The uh, thing that shades you when when you're on a boat is called a Bimini. So I kept going, you want me to crawl on top of my boat? I'm not, I'm not sure what you want here. And they kept saying, no, no, Bimini, Bimini, go to Bimini. And I'm like, I don't get it. I don't know why you want me to crawl on top of my boat. So I ultimately got on the internet and I looked up Bimini. And by gosh, there's a place called Bimini. And Edgar Casey talked about it being Atlantis rising, uh, at which point mm. I laughed and I said, okay, I have two issues here. One is I have no money. <laughs> to be going all the way to the Bahamas. And they're like, money, no problem. And it was a very off time in the season and not a time when I would have had a lot of money come in and money came from nowhere. So money was very easy. Mm. And so my next question to the Dolphins was, all right, what, I'm just supposed to show up in this place called Bimini and how will I find you? And they were very specific with me. They said, now will bring you to us. And they spelled it K-N-O-W-D-L-A. So I got on the internet and I found a woman named Nadla and she took people swimming with dolphins. And uh, I worked with her crew for over 10 years. I've been going for 15 years now and uh, Nadla's in Fiji, but I worked with her crew for the first 10 years and I still work with her captains. And um She told me the year before I came to Bimini, some people from Edgar Cayce's group had shown up and they said they were sure that Atlantis was out there. And if Atlantis was there, there had to be dolphins. Um, Now, my husband says it's not the Atlantis. Maybe it's an outpost of Atlantis. And Atlantis had a lot of different islands. So I'm good with that. Um, But so she started the dolphin trips the year before I got there. And then I showed up on her doorstep and said, I'm, I'm here to see the dolphins. And we've had many amazing things. My deal with the dolphins is if I'm going to tell people I talk to dolphins, you have to do things that show that I actually am in communication with you so I don't look like a city. <laughs> so they've been really beautiful about that through the years. And especially in Bimini, Bimini is their thing and they've shown us many things. But after about 10 years, I told Nadla one time and her, her crew, I said, you know, the dolphins aren't that smart because they spelled your name K N O W D L A. And your name is N O W D L A. And the entire crew just cracked up and started laughing. They go, Rebecca, what is Nadla's last name? And her now her last name is Keith. So it was K Nadla. Oh, interesting. So they're very detailed and very smart. And that is actually how we started the Bimini trips about 15 years ago. Wow. And so Nautilus no longer there. She's in Fiji. She's not doing dolphin work. <laughs> no, she doesn't. We actually, um, I stayed, my captain 
oddly, it has been with from the very beginning. And he was uh, Nautilus captain, and then he moved on and be- worked with someone else, Al Sweeting. And I chartered two boats from Al now. I think we're going to see those boats a little bit later, a smaller boat and a larger one. And uh, so I have the same captain. And I've been working with Al now for probably seven or eight years. It kind of crossed over between working with Nautilus boat and working with Al's. And uh, one of those happy Bimini coincidences. When I worked with Nadla, she was working with some marine biologists with a uh, dolphin communication project. And these girls do a really, really beautiful work. And they've been working mm. with the same do- pot of dolphins I work with now. And they've been there for probably 11 years or so. And one of the girls that I worked with on Nadla's boat to begin with ended up marrying Captain Al. Wow. So, I still have uh, my original captain and a new captain. Yeah, that's the big boat that we have there. Uh, We use the bigger boat when we have larger groups and we're not just doing straight therapy training. Uh, Very comfortable. You can get up on top with the captain or you can be down on the inside Mm. or up front. And what these trips are, and then what we have up here now is a uh, therapy training. So this boat is actually all therapists, and it's closer to the water, and it's a little bit faster access for us, and we were in and out quite a bit more. So depending on what I'm doing in the Bahamas, I use one of these two boats. Mm. And so what we do is a combination. We have some people come that... I simply want the relax and pamper aspect. It's a wild swim adventure. So they come, they get treated with aquacranial. We also have yoga and aromatherapy that we do. It's a complete package. Hmm. And uh, they get to swim with the dolphins. And then we have therapists that come along. And if therapists want to do a 350-hour training to certify, it is required that they go once to Bimini. So you have a combination of therapists that are there for advanced training, and they're working on the people that are just there for the ultimate relax and pamper vacation. Mm, Very nice. Now, I know when I first met you, you also uh, had some people come with children to have work done on their children there as well. Absolutely. We do take children. The young, I've put children four and five weeks old in the ocean. And when we go to the Bahamas, mostly the children we have are two years and up because they can swim or we can put them in float suits. And um, what we have here is mama is listening to the whales and getting ready to put the headset on um, Lily here so that she can hear the whale. So we're using a hydrophone. Uh, for Lily on this particular picture. <laughs> that is so sweet. So now do the, the children, though, don't go on the dolphin and whale excursions? Yes, they do. They do. They I, stay on the I boat? Children two years old into the water. We have um, wetsuits that have a Coast Guard approved life jacket in, in built into the wetsuit. <gasps> And so they're not even allowed on the boat unless they have their wetsuit on. And I did a little video where um, we have a girl who's two in Tonga. And the first day, she didn't want to put her on her wetsuit, and her little boat suit, and she threw a fit. So we put her off the boat. And so by the time I came to breakfast the next morning, she couldn't even speak yet. You know, and she's got her little boat suit. She's waving at me, going, boat suit, boat suit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then we also always have at least two adults that are are quite competent swimmers per child in the ocean. Mm. 
Mm, I see. I see. All of the boats in the Bahama, in Bimini, actually follow my safety regulations because I'm tighter than anybody else out there. But we've been putting babies in the ocean in deep water for 20 years now, and we've never had an accident. Mm. And and that's because I, I am tight as a uh, teacher when it comes to safety. Oh, that's wonderful. And then the parents as well, they go out with you? Yes, the parents will come with us. So what would happen in the water is you would have like, say, dad will be with the daughter and then we'll have one of the therapists or one of my swimmers. I also have safety swimmers that I bring when I have children. So they will either be with a therapist who is a great swimmer or they will be with someone who is strictly a safety swimmer to make sure that they're just fine. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because you're working in water that deep. (laughs) Right. You never know what's going to happen, you know. You can yes. lose spend, something can happen with one person. So when you have a child, if something happened to one person, they would th- that would not be a good situation whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So we want to make sure if something happens to one person that there's a second person there as a backup with that child. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, wonderful. I mean, it's just so gorgeous, just these uh, incredible photos. Um, I, do you find that the therapies... Um, in a place, for example, like Bim- Bimini or Tonga is another uh, area that you go to. Um, now, did the whales call you to Tonga? <laughs> oh, yes. The whales do come to Tonga. <laughs> and the whales called me to Tonga. We also go, I'm not sure if you know, Christina, we also once a year go to the Dominican Republic. There's oh. only two places in the world where it's legal to swim with humpback whales. And that is Tonga and the Dominican Republic. And we have a permit. We work under permits. We only take four people with a swim guide in Tonga. And um, the, and then it's four people, but we put in 10 people at a time in the Dominican. There's quite a few more whales there, so it's a little bit different environment. In the Dominican, we live aboard a boat, and then so we're out in deep water for a week. And we take smaller boats off the liveaboard to go out for our encounters with the whales. In Tonga, we actually stay on land at cute little, uh, we call them resorts, and that's very loose. It's somewhere to eat and four or five little follies, uh, grass shacks, basically, that people (laughs) want. And then we go out through the daytime. We have charter boats, so we go out through the daytime for the whales down there. So they're both very different experiences. One's a land and um, one is a a liveaboard. But but that's how we get to the whales. And again, um, I've been trained, actually specifically trained as a whale swim guide. So it's not something you don't want to go somewhere and just jump off a boat and do it by yourself. And you definitely don't want to do it in Hawaii or Australia because it's illegal to swim with humpback whales. And um, worse than a speeding ticket, you, you don't want to get a swim with whales ticket. <laughs> 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 oh my goodness, what an experience that must be. And uh, and during the whale tours or the whale swims, yeah. th- those are not, um, you don't teach during those times. Not like you, you do. Touch, in, is that what you said? Yeah. Like you don't teach your, you don't teach your therapist during those times. They're not like, like a combination of therapy with the swims. We actually do combine the therapy with the swims. They have some times where they are just free swimming, but we do have other times where we are doing therapy um, while the whales and dolphins are pregnant. 
or I'm sorry, while present, not pregnant. We have had pregnant whales and dolphins, but um, it's in their presence. The With the aquacranial, we're working on the electrical field of the body and the whales and the dolphins, the, specifically the humpback whales, work with an electromagnetic field, which... Um, they are very specific in working with us, and I have been with blue whales and gray whales and different types of whales all around the world, and it is only the humpback whales that work with this particular kind of electromagnetic pulsing that affects the physical body. Wow, that's amazing. Really amazing. So, so you do combine the two? Yes, we do go with children. Wow. Okay, so Tonga is a smaller group, and the Dominican is a larger group that you go with. Right. In the Dominican, we have 20 people on the boat, and then we have two tenders, and we put 10, 10 people in each tender to go out. In the Bahamas, I stick with six people. I mean, sorry, in Tonga, I only take six people. I'm allowed to put four people in at the time, but I, at a time, but I actually like to double up my whale swim guides. So I have a Tongan guide that goes first, then we put three people in, and then I go in. So that whenever people in the water, they have have two guides for three people. And if we have six people, then it's just a one-time turnaround. You have three people in there. Mm -hmm. They have an encounter. We bring them back to the boat and then we put three more people in. There are boats in Tonga that will take out as many as 16 people. But again, you're limited to four people in the water at a time. So that makes it a little bit less uh, water time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now we've, we've seen some footage um, mainly of your dolphin swims where you're actually, um, uh, pulling in pulling the yes, group we're of people. We're trolling with the dolphins. And um, sometimes the dolphins, they're in the mood to hang out, but they're not in the mood to slow down as slow as we go. So in times like that, what we will do is we will put a rope behind the boat and the rope has a handle on it that you can hold on to. So people will sit on the edge of the boat, as you'll see, they drop in the water, they've got a hold of the rope already. We've got a couple of girls getting ready to go here. And then we just pull them behind the boat. And one of these girls has fins on, the other girl doesn't even have her fins on. So this is something we can do with people that don't swim. Mm -hmm. And what I do is I put a strong swimmer on the end of the rope. So if someone in the front were to let go and drop back, you have a strong swimmer on the back end that will either grab them or will drop off and stay with them till the boat comes back. Wow. Now, once they're in the water, this is for when the dolphins want to interact, but they don't want to slow down as much as we are. And we <laughs> not swim as fast as the boat is going when we're pulling these people. So then the dolphins have the opportunity to come and swim underneath people and go back and forth and interact with them on the ropes um, without the people having to swim that fast. We don't mm. pull them into a pot of dolphins. We simply pull them. And then if the dolphins choose to come, they come. Well, as in this picture that we're seeing right now. So combination in the, we have spotted dolphins and bottlenose dolphins in the Bahamas. Mm -hmm. And this is a combination of both that we have in this pod. And as you'll see, they go underneath and then they come back up to the surface and they, they'll, they'll cruise back and forth. They'll just kind of include us. It's a way to be included in the pod. And we know that we're not bothering them because they literally have to come over to us. Mm, how beautiful. So you can see they've turned left to come back over again to the boat. I'm filming this, and I'm hanging on the back of the rope, and then I've got um, 
Nancy up there in front of me. The, where you just saw my hand right there, the reason you saw my hand is there's a dolphin right next to me and he was rubbed up against me and I was afraid if I didn't move my camera, <laughs> he was going to actually bump the camera. He just wants to see what you're doing. <laughs> yes, of course. Ah, she's brought a toy now. <laughs> so for anyone who is actually listening to the iTunes podcast of this, uh, it might behoove you to actually take a look at the actual video broadcast because <laughs> the images are actually magnificent of these beautiful, beautiful creatures that uh, Rebecca is swimming with. <laughs> They're amazing. Oh, just uh, it's they're gorgeous, just simply gorgeous. Um, they're you, I'm sure of it. Pardon me. I said they're calling you. I'm sure of it. Oh, you- absolutely. Between them and the whales. Oh, yes. <laughs> there you go. We have different seasons for the dolphins and the whales. Um, I'm in Hawaii doing therapy where we're affected by the whale sound in January, February, and March. Tonga is where I go predominantly because we have an opposite whale season. I'm getting ready to head down there. And the whale season down there is end of August into September. So that is Tonga. That is Tonga, right. Uh, And I leave Tonga and go straight to the Bahamas to catch the dolphins. Or I go to the dolphins before. Dolphins we do in the Bahamas between May and September. So we go through September, but the month of May, June, July, August, September are the times that we go. And I was going down there before I started going to Tonga. So I used to go sometimes in August to the Bahamas, but I don't anymore because it interferes with my trips to uh, Tonga. Mm -hmm. And how about the Dominican? The Dominican is the same whale season as Hawaii. It's North American Atlantic, uh, North, um, the northern humpbacks. And so that is, again, the same as the Hawaii time. And this year we're going January 25th is boarding. I see. I see. And, and you just spend a shorter amount of time in the we Dominican. We go for a week at a time, yes. It's oh, a week at a time. Mm. Right. So would you say that you go to each one of these places? I mean, Hawaii is like almost your home base, isn't it? Hawaii is, I'm sorry. Your home base? Yes, Hawaii is my home base. Um, And I have had a place in Tonga for quite a while. So I'll spend anywhere from three to nine months of the year in Tonga. And but the Dominican is very short. Mm-hmm. The and rest of the time we're in Hawaii. We do go, we go to Europe about once every three or four years to train there. And I do go down to the Baja every three or four years to train there. But predominantly I go every year to uh, the Bahamas and I'm in based in Hawaii and then Tonga, uh, we go to yearly. Mm, how wonderful. Now you don't do in Hawaii, you don't do like dolphin swims and things like that in Hawaii itself, do you? What do we do with the dolphin swims? Yeah, I mean, because because in Maui, um, and I do believe you also work over on the Big Island now as well, um, you don't have um, just specific dolphin swims, do you? Right. I don't do the dolphin swims in Hawaii. 
Um, and the reason is we can have dolphins every day for six months and then not have dolphins for three months. They're much more random in Hawaii. We're working with different pods of dolphins. While we do have bottlenose in both Hawaii and the Bahamas, predominantly swims are done with spinner dolphins and they're done in Hawaii and the spotted dolphins in the Bahamas. And it's much more consistent in the Bahamas. We know for sure when we go that we're there during the season when the dolphins are there and that they want to interact with us. In Hawaii, that's just not, you just really don't know. The only thing with the spinner dolphins in Hawaii, we know that they hunt at night and they come into bays to relax and rest and play during the day. But as far as what time of year will we have more dolphins or less dolphins, the only thing I've noticed is that when the whales are here, the dolphins are in deep water playing with whales and less likely to come to shore. (laughs) I'm going to play with the grandmas and grandpas, right? (laughs) Yeah, they love to play together. It's beautiful to watch. (laughs) That is amazing. Oof. Um, So now... Now, you've, we have footage of the people swimming with the dolphins, you know, yeah. uh, either, you know, being pulled uh, with a rope. Now, what happens in the situation with the whales? How does one swim with the whales? Because they're um, huge. They're... <laughs> yes, we actually... <laughs> In all of these, uh, this is actually my photographer who was watching, filming me, and these two whales came by randomly. And so he turned around immediately. This was kind of a flashby with these two, but it was a good shot. So I got that one for you. Uh, <laughs> I actually tell people we it's not whale watching, it's whale waiting, mm. because we're waiting for the whales to want to swim with us. Um, there are wild swim where they will find a whale, drive as fast as they can, and then throw the people in the water in front of the whale and wait for the whale to fly by. We don't do that. Um, (laughs) we prefer to go out there and find a whale or two or mom and baby that pay attention to us and have an interest in interacting with us. I mean, we've had whales follow the boat like a little puppy. Don't leave, don't leave. Uh, so the, it is, there are times when they're interested in getting in the in, in having an interaction. There are times when they're not. But if they are interested in having an interaction, then we have, we do a very careful approach. And when we are a certain distance away from the whales so that we don't have to worry about there being any harm from boats or anything like that, we put the people in and then we swim over to the whales. And then when the encounter is over and the whales swim off, the boat will come over to pick us up. Mm, I see. So it's not a huge amount of swimming, but you do need to know how to swim. And especially with the whale trip in Tonga, uh, yes, this is one of the boats we use in Tonga. I try to mix it up in Tonga. I'll take people out on a sailing catamaran one day and then in a nice fast protector, which is the boat that's got the big rib around the outside. And then the uh, the blue boat we just saw was a traditional boat in Tonga that had the AMA. And this is one of the Bahamas training boats. Mm. 
So in the in Tonga specifically, I do like to mix it up a little bit with boats just to give people an idea of the difference of swimming uh, in being in one boat as opposed to another. And people like to have the traditional boat. This is a very comfy boat. This is our luxury boat you see up here. Um, so when we're going to spend four, five, six hours out with dolphins, same thing. You don't just like go, oh, there's the dolphins in the pool. We go out and we drive across the dolphin grounds and, uh, we look for dolphins who want to play. <laughs> okay. I'm over here. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, have you had any situations where, you know, I've had uh, uh, friends who have gone like whale watching, not swimming with the whales, but whale watching. And they were saying how it was so magnificent, how they were scared, but mesmerized by these incredible creatures. Absolutely. I mean, the people who come on these swims, when you're actually in the water <laughs> with these massive creatures, <laughs> um, have you had any experiences where people just want out? <laughs> yes, actually we do. And that's something we have to watch for. And it actually happens more in the Bahamas than it does in Tonga, it's the dolphins are the ones that have a tendency that will pull, pe pull, pull people out of themselves like that. Mm. And I had one group of women and they had been practitioners together for something like 20 years. So they all knew each other really well. And they decided to take this trip together. I think we had 16 on that trip in the Bahamas. And, um, I have float belts, these yellow float belts for people that don't swim as well. And one of the things that will tell you is stay with your group. Don't swim off because you have 20 dolphins. If you have everybody swims in a different direction, we lose the boat. So it's stay in a group and don't swim after the dolphins. And I had this one woman, she was so darling. She was laid out flat in the ocean with her arms up and she was like a starfish. And she just was floating off to sea in the current. And I had to swim after and go get her. And I went, hi hon she goes I didn't swim Rebecca I didn't chase the dolphins I said where's the boat and she looked up she's like oh okay <laughs> so again um this is something that it, some people that come to train with me are therapists, but other people that come, they come because they love the water. So mm. I get people that maybe they have a little bit of therapy training and a lot of water training. So we have people that have come that have been lifeguards and have taught people to swim. Um, so there's always, whenever we're doing anything in deep water, we have a crew that's very experienced and very well trained for safety. Mm. Um, as well as for treatments. And this is also safety with the um, mammals themselves. For instance, a mama whale will sleep and her baby will nurse and go to the top and come back down again and then swim over to where we are. We just lay in the water and let them come to us. And um, it's a very calm experience. However, it's not only birthing areas, it's a mating area. So you have these males out there and they're looking to get lucky. Um, and they can have a little bit different personality. And I, I mentioned that I work where there's two guides and one woman I'd worked with, Karen and Tonga, many, many times. I remember we had, we were all laying there and we're looking at this beautiful mom and baby and it's like, oh, and then all of a sudden out from underneath the mom comes this male that rolls out and he looks at us in the eye that he gave us was like, what are you doing here? And Karen and I both came out of the water at the same time. We both popped up and looked at each other and said, did you see that? 
<laughs> and so then we move the people back off and back over to the boat. They right. are wild animals. There's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. However, they are so conscious. I have been touched by whales many times, and they're giant. They're just huge. <laughs> that tech fin that sticks out is bigger than I am. And they will reach up and they will touch me. And they've even reached into the boat to touch <gasps> it. And they're so gentle and so soft. If they wanted to, they could just smack my boat and it would go flying across the ocean. Um, but they are very, very conscious. But so are we. Mm-hmm. If it's obvious they don't want to hang out with us, we'll leave them alone and move off and look for a, a whales or dolphins that are interested in being with us. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's lovely. It's, it's really a mutual respect. It, mutual. it really is. And it's about, it's got to be safe for the animals. It's got to be safe for the people that are there. And um, I'm very much an environmentalist. And it's not, well, I'm going to treat the whales and the dolphins nice as long as everybody gets their turn in the water. Anyone who goes with me knows that the whales and the dolphins, this is a wild experience. And they really do choose the encounter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. This is uh, fantastic. Now, <laughs> okay, so... Once a year, Tonga, Bimini, Dominican Republic, and the staple is Maui and Big Island. <laughs> yes, and Maui, I actually just went to the Big Island. I think you got the article on that. They wrote an article. Yes. Um, but Maui is primarily where I'm at. I have trained several people on the Big Island, and I do go, I may go again for a training over there, and I periodically will go do free clinics, but there are several aquacranialists I've already trained over there. So predominantly, if you're going to come and train with me in Hawaii, it's going to be Maui. I also trained on Kauai um, a few months ago, and I will probably go back there again. But Maui is situated in the Hawaiian Islands where we have a lot more reef, and so that means it's shallower. We don't have as much deep water, and it's a primary uh, calving and birthing area. Oh, so I see. It, we have more whales here than we have in other other areas in the islands, and the waters are calmer. Mm-hmm. How fantastic. Now, now... With do- whales birthing areas is one thing. What about dolphins? I mean, I hear dolphins get very aggressive during their mating season. Oh, dolphins can be very aggressive during their, their mating play season. Their is... <laughs> So can the whales. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, uh, I will never forget a juvenile male one time. Uh, but anyway... <laughs> the- I have found, again, you really need to, anyone who's been around animals knows this. If you're around a dog and the dog is overly aggressive, you're going to remove yourself from the environment. And we have had as many as 500 dolphins at a time around us. This is rare, but during mating season, uh, which is usually around August in the Hawaiian Islands, you'll get a lot of dolphins will come to one area. And it's very interesting because you'll have the feet Male and you'll have a male that will be mating with her, and there'll be three or four more males waiting for their turn, and they will literally line up and and be waiting for who's next. And every once in a while, one at the end will go, I can't wait, I want to go, and he'll rush to the front of the line. All the dolphins will smack him around and push him back to his place in line. Um, but dolphins <laughs> are sexual, and they have known, been known to become sexual with um, humans. And so if you were in a a position 
where you felt that the dolphin was, um, dolphins don't touch people a lot. I've been touched very often by dolphins, but dolphins in general do not touch people a lot. Hmm. So if they come and they start rolling around on you. You're going to have a pretty good idea of what's going to go on. And that's, <laughs> that's a good time to get out of the water. Now I will say that my single girlfriends that are the more wilder ones, I do love to swim with, with the dolphins because the dolphins will go right straight to them. <laughs> wow. They're, they're heightened senses, huh? They do. They really feel that energy. Um, it, it's interesting. Oh, well, okay, I'll tell you one, one experience. We have what we call um, our home pods, which are pods that li- dolphin pods or family groups that live in this area. So they'll come, come through regularly, and we recognize them, and they recognize us. And we had one day where there was a transient pod. It was dolphins that we didn't really know. And there was a male, a male dolphin, and he would swim over to me, and he would get right in front of me, and he would stick his chest out and come up right right in front of me like that. And um, so I told my husband, Ty, who rarely swims with me, he's off swimming somewhere close, but he's out there. I said, you know, I think this dolphin wants to make me his. I go, could you kind of like keep an eye out on this? And the next time the dolphin came over to me, my husband, Ty, came and he swam right up next to me and he got beside me and he did the same thing where he stuck his chest out towards the dolphin and you know like she's mine and that dolphin actually went away and never never came around me again wow (laughs) (laughs) well you can also i have a lover that's a dolphin (laughs) that would be a new one interesting i mean with the female dolphins love my husband and i've actually had dolphins become jealous of me when they've realized that i'm with my husband because it's like oh no he's there there I'm not supposed to be there. Uh, it's really funny. So they can they can be aggressive and um, they hunt. You know, if they're in a hunting mode, they're not going to want to play with people. In the Bahamas, the bottlenose dolphins often will be sonaring into the sand looking for fish. Mm. And in those cases, if it's a slow day, we'll get out and we'll float on the water and we'll watch what they're doing. But they have no interest in us. They're eating. They'll let us hang out and watch them eat, but at that moment, they're eating. After they've eaten, then sure, they're ready to play, and they'll come swim up, and they'll play with us. So dolphins do have things to do besides just play with us. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So Rebecca, um, this is a, this is just such a thrill to to hear these wonderful stories. Um, I, I, before we close anything, um, there is a story about Bimini that that you have brought up before, and you had uh, shared with us also some footage, which we will either show or have a link to about Bimini and Atlantis. Can you share a little bit about that with us? When I went, when I first went to Bimini, I didn't realize that I would have anything to do with what was going on with Atlantis in the area. Um, however, we immediately found out what some of the legends were, and there was he was called the Sleeping Prophet Edgar Casey, um, and he has been documented. There's a, a huge university or institute in Virginia Beach where they have copies of the readings that he has done, and he's been proven over and over again to be correct in what he says. Mm. And one of his um, 
predictions was that Atlantis would rise again and that there would be signs of this rising off the shores of Bimini. And in the 1960s, what is called the Bimini Road um, was discovered by a plane flying over. And you get National Geographic and a lot of people out there. This is about... 30 feet underwater. My husband has great lungs. He's free, dri- free oh diving my gosh. <laughs> And when you look at this, it looks like big cut stones. And some people come and it's like, oh, no big deal. It's a great place to go snorkel. Other people come and they have phenomenal um, experiences and what they feel are past life memories from being in this area before. And we've had some interesting things happen around that with people that come to the area that um, will have experiences of memories of what they believe are Atlantean times. And that's something that um, I'll give you one one example just to show you how this could work. We had some dolphins, and they went in one direction, and one woman who was with me said, oh, my goodness, you know, the dolphins are leaving. She got very emotional, and I didn't even see dolphins where she was pointing. And I said, oh, honey, those must be your dolphins because they're not calling me. And when I said that, I also could see under the water like a cave where this woman had – it was some kind of an experimental place where like an Atlantean doctor would work is the only way I could put it. And this is a woman I'd worked with for a long time. So I explained to her what I was seeing. And then I realized, well, she could just see it herself. So she's standing on the boat talking to me. We're physically talking, but we're both also projected inside of this place. And as we were talking, I said, oh, I see that you used to work here. And she said, yes, I did. It was a place where I worked. She said, I go, and you died here. I'm getting goosebumps just talking about this. I said, you died here. She said, yes, they want, she goes, I'm remembering now they wanted me to shut down the work that I do. And I said, if you're going to stop my work, I want, I'm, I'm going to die with it. And in that moment, she laid down on the floor of this cave on the inner And she also physically passed out on the boat. Wow. When she passed out on the boat physically, um, I could feel her husband, who was not on the trip with us. And I could, all of a sudden, it was just like there was white light everywhere, and there was all this love, and I could feel Marshall. And it, you could see Lynette stand up in the cave again, and then she sat up in on the boat, and she took something from the cave and put it into her heart. So she actually brought one of her tools consciously back with her. But what was so amazing about this was when we got back to shore that evening, her husband called and asked what we had been doing that day and was very emphatic that he wanted to know exactly what we had done. And when she asked him why, he said he had come home from work and walked in the door. And all of a sudden, all he could see around him was white light. And he had to actually lay down on the floor. And all he could feel was his wife and all this love for her. So when we had felt Marshall in Bimini and all his love that had actually literally brought her back to her body in this lifetime. He had been present, even though he was in Texas at the time. So I know it's out there, um, but we, I, I just watched this 
and see what happens. And we have had some people that have come, and this doesn't happen to everybody who comes to Bimini. Some people come, they have a great wild swim, they get their aquacranial, they do their yoga, <laughs> they have some nice dinners out. But it's happened enough that um, it's, I would guess, something on a, a like a soul retrieval kind of basis is happening. People seem to come back and get their memories. So Bimini is a very mm. interesting place. We could We could go on and on for hours. One of these days I'll have to write a story about some of the experiences we've had in Bimini, but they are all very much dolphin oriented. Oh, fantastic. Oh, what a great story. Thank you for sharing that. That, that is uh, exceptional. I mean, they, they are, you know, I think there are, um, they are now science is starting to go in now and, and work out these past lives and cellular memories. And, you know, I think the the world at large is starting to become a little more aware that these things do happen and they do exist. They do. And I mean, rather, some people believe that all lives are simultaneous. And what we look at as past, present and future is actually all happening at the same time. So, you know, as far as the exact details about how all that works, I don't know. But I have seen so many things. There are obviously memories that people have, even infants and children, that are not from what we're looking at is this present lifetime. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I absolutely agree. Um, we have a beautiful video that we would like to share with everyone right now, which is uh-huh. of you working with your group in very, very deep water here. Can we bring that up for our viewers? <laughs> Uh, this was a training that we were doing. And so everyone that you see are therapists. We're in about 350 feet of water, and there is whale sound. It's very quiet in the video, so I, I don't think you can hear it really well. But what you're going to see is a multi-hands treatment where one person is being treated, and there are several therapists working on her at the same time. And again, as I said, we're in about 350 feet of water. So you can see no no one is touching the ground here. And we've found that Different depths of water have different effects on the physiology and the emotions as well. So we work in near shore, we work in 15, 20 feet of water, and we also work in, in water up to four four or 500 feet. Mm-hmm. Now, for those of you uh, who are viewing this with us, uh, we are including this link because if you play it for yourself um, and you click on it, be sure to turn up your speakers as loud as they can because you can actually hear the whales in the background. It's phenomenal. And it's so magnificent how you're all in these fins doing this therapy. <laughs> it's amazing how much the sound can affect the physiology. And we mentioned a little bit in the last show that different tones move different bones in the body. So not only are we manipulating physically the, the tissue and the fluid and the bones in the body, the sound itself will move and loosen the bones. Mm. Yes, but just really. When I see you, Christina, I have a little machine that will tell you what notes you use when you speak. 
That's very interesting. Yes, because different notes do different things. And uh, just a quick one on that one. I have a friend who is a psychotherapist in Europe, and people come to her just to hear her talk for their therapy. Mm. And when she, so she just sat down and did a quick little, hi, how are you today? What are you doing? Like she would do with her normal clients. And she hit every single note exactly, pure tone, right on. <gasps> very unusual. Most people have one, two, three tones at most that they'll hit while they're speaking. Wow. And then, so you have a machine that reads that? Pardon? You have a machine that reads that? Yes. What the, the, yes, the machine, when you speak, it will tell me what notes that you're speaking. For instance, with me, I am predominantly F, I love you, and E, which is a lot of will, you will do what I want because I love you. <laughs> <laughs> but, and my husband pointed this one out, only when I call dolphins, come on, baby, come on, come on, come on. It's a high C, which is actually a very sexual tone. <laughs> <laughs> so my husband said, I knew it. I knew how you were getting those dolphins to come. Oh, that's funny. Okay, it's time to get one of those machines. <laughs> use that when we're in the Bahamas, we use that. It's kind of fun. And it gives people an idea that um, you can use toning besides using a bowl or a tuning fork or yes. something like that. Yes. I, I mean, I, I know that through um, some of the body work that I used to do, depending on what the individual's body called for, it would be, uh, whether it be the sound therapy or light therapy or oil, you know, uh, uh, essence therapy, um, I know that some of the um, the releases would happen. The body would actually call for a certain tone. And it would be, you know, putting, cupping my mouth over that area of the body and reaching that tone yes. to feel it release. That's why it's brilliant. It's magnificent. Absolutely. Beautiful. It, it, sound is just, it's phenomenal to work with. Yes, yes. And I, I know that there was a gentleman who was working with people's sound. And yes. they would ha- he would actually record their voices uh, oh, wow. saying, uh, whether it be an affirmation or something that they felt very close to their heart that made them joyful or happy. Then he would take the recorded sound, he would lay them on this uh, crystal bed. Right. And put on uh, the, a special pair of glasses that would, and he would play, he would choose in that the specific sounds to heighten the positive energies in the body and it would he would play them back over and over again and so they would be having the visual light therapy at the same time as the crystal bed energetic therapy <laughs> all Beautiful. tuned in at the same time and they would lay there for half an hour that's that's incredible that's amazing when the dolphins first told us to first told me to bring the bowls to bimini to work with people they told me that they were going to teach us to see the color of sound and what we found was when we were using the bowls it actually heightened the aura and made the aura stronger so it was easier to see oh that was magnificent oh you see we have so many topics rebecca <laughs> <laughs> Soon there'll be a uh, Rebecca Goff show. (laughs) (laughs) I'm too busy swimming with whales and dolphins. (laughs) (laughs) But what you learn, you have to share. (laughs) 
Well, come with me. We have lots of stories. <laughs> love it. Really love it. Well, thank you so much. Is there is there anything that you would like to share with our listeners and our viewers um, before we complete this hour? I'm going to share with you the, the whales actually popped in for me. And um, we, you know, we have sonar with the Navy and different things that goes on. And a lot of people get worried with the environment and different things about the whales and the dolphins. And around the sonar in particular, people came to me and said, what should we do? And how do the whales feel about this? And what's the Navy's doing and everything else? And what they said was so brilliant. And they just kind of popped up. This would be the thing to share. What they told me was, the only thing they can do to us at this point is to take us out of our hearts. And they said, don't allow them to use us to do this to you. So if we get angry, even if it's a righteous anger, or we get upset, even though there seems to be a good reason to be, what's really, really important, especially in this time, is to be in our hearts. Mm -hmm. And so if the whales can be run over and harassed and hunted and blasted by sonar, and they can turn around and say, don't get angry for us, stay in your heart, then, then that, that's the one thing that I would share. Just mm. stay in your heart. Mm, beautiful. Just make beautiful. Thank you so much, Rebecca. Thank you for... so much, Christina. You are an amazing, beautiful woman. I so appreciate you. Oh, thank as you, thank you so much for sharing this time. We're, we are so honored by the time that you've taken with us. And, uh, and I know this is just the beginning. <laughs> uh, aloha. And I'll see you next time in the ocean. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. And aloha to you and your loved ones as well. And to all those magnificent creatures that you continue to connect with. Thank you. And of course, uh, we'd like to thank Segovia Smith and the Yoga Hub team for making this possible for each and every one of us. And to you for joining us in this new platform of education and information. We're grateful for your continuous support and look forward to hearing your feedback on how we can serve you better. We invite you to join us live on Tuesdays for Magical Medical Tour at 10.30 a.m. Pacific, 1.30 Eastern, Wednesdays for Trinity of Life at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, followed every other week with Flowing into Awareness with Anatara. Again, I'd like to remind you to follow Rebecca Goff at aquacranial.com, aquacranial.com, and also to look for her book, Kissing Whales, Healing Dolphins, to learn more about that wonderful aquacranial therapy that she does. And again, we look forward to your feedback and suggestions. Please give us a call at 818-LET'S-TALK. 818-LET'S-TALK. Until we meet again, namaste. YHTV's Magical Medical Tour. Come join Dr. Glenn Woolman and Christina Suzuma as they journey through the healthcare galaxy interviewing doctors, healthcare practitioners in the attempt to share ways to achieve optimal health. Join us on yogahub.tv every Tuesday at 10.30 a.m. Pacific, 1.30 p.m. Eastern.